The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, we continue the conversation here this morning, our Chapter 9 series, the IEC under the spotlight today. Let me welcome uh, Commissioner Janet Love, who is with the Independent Electoral Commissioner, uh, Commission rather. Commissioner Love, good morning to you. Thanks for your time on the Talking Point this morning. Morning, Kathy, and morning to the listeners. Dr. Stephen Gordon is a senior research specialist in the developmental, ethical and capable states at the HSRC. Dr. Gordon, good morning. Oh, good morning, and thank you for talking about such an important topic on your show. Thank you so much. And Teritzelane is the former IEC, is, is also formerly uh, with the IEC and currently manages the uh, Institute of Election Management Services. Teritzelane, good morning to you. Dadizilani, can you hear me? All right, it looks like we've it looks like we've lost him on the line. They will certainly try and get him back up. I think a good place to begin for a conversation of um this nature, Commissioner Love, is just to start off with looking at the role of the IEC. And it may seem like a very simplistic question, but what do all you people at the IEC do? Um so, I mean, our role is firstly, I think, quite clearly articulated both in the constitution and the and the laws. Um, but and but it is a it's a big remit. We have to manage elections at the uh, national, the provincial, and the local government level, and of course that includes by elections. And in addition to that, we have um, obligations m- more recently in terms of um, managing compliance of. Um, political contestants and parties with the Political Party Funding Act. And we have um, also to prepare um, the the processes of um, managing those elections in terms of our dealing with technology and so on and training our own staff. And then we have a very, very important mandate of outreach within communities to not just to um, make people aware of electoral processes and um, the mechanics of elections, but also, I think, to contribute to a social responsibility of all of us in society to say how important it is for everybody to vote and to be part of our political process. I was talking earlier about the general declining levels of trust that South Africa has seen across the board in various institutions, government, etc. And the IEC not being exempt from declining levels of, of trust. What are your reflections on what some of the causes of that might be? Well, Look, there there are a couple of things, and I think that um, one of the other panelists, Stephen, who's coming from HSRC, will be able to speak more comprehensively in terms of the actual responses to survey questions. But I think that what is clear that is coming out, not just of the HSRC surveys, but of other surveys that have been conducted, is that the data is showing that, first of all, of all people in South Africa don't feel that the political options that have been um, that are that are placed before them are giving them hope that things are going to change dramatically for the better 
to to fulfill the promise of the of the constitution that i think is the first thing secondly i think there's a pull down effect of all um institutions that have anything to do um with government um certainly that the mistrust or the the, the sense of um not being served the sense of um b- being in fact uh, disappointed because of huge corruption and 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 poor governance that all of that has a pull down effect of, on all institutions and the, as you say the IEC is not exempt having said that i do also want to stress that the IEC is not um the commission is not right. uh, blind to the fact that we review it there with a lot of in- there the, are co- things that we can do as well uh, yeah. unfortunately i'm going to have to come in there we might have to get you on the telephone line because um there are some disturbances i know you're joining us via zoom and that connection unfortunately not being great this morning we will continue the conversation however dr gordon with the hsrc dr gordon let me bring you in here and again just look overall at the role of the iec it comes across that it's one of those institutions that yes has a very procedural role that is defined by law but often the expectations that people have of what the IEC should be doing um those expectations seem to go unmet but in some instances are going against uh, even what is within the mandate of of the IEC You make a very very good point and I want to direct our listeners attention to the election satisfaction survey which is a large scale public opinion survey conducted with voters as they leave the voting station and the goal of this survey is to ask people about the election experience they've just had you know um was the staff professional and courteous did you feel your vote was conducted in a safe and secret manner you know how long did you wait in the queue etc so the experience of voting and overwhelmingly from these results we can see that the IEC the election commission scores well the vast majority of voters regard their staff as professional impartial and courteous the they wait short periods in the queue with most people waiting less than 15 minutes and most people feeling that their vote was conducted in a safe and secure manner so looking at this data uh, over the last decade we can see the IEC in many respects has actually been improving upon initial successes noted in early elections 1999 2000 and 6 etc so what does this data tell us it tells us that the procedural operations of the election commission are well regarded by voters who've just experienced those procedural operations so why would our population in south africa have become more distrustful of the election commission Now if we look at the data one of the things we can see is that people who are dissatisfied with the functioning of democracy they tend to be dissatisfied 
and distrustful of the elected institutions, as well as those institutions in charge of elections, in this case, the Election Commission. So what the real tragedy we've seen in South Africa is a growing disillusionment, not so much with the Election Commission in of itself, but with democracy. And that is a very, very dangerous thing. Now, why do we see growing dissatisfaction, disillusionment with how democracy is functioning and the idea of democracy itself? And it all comes down to people's evaluations of their tangible lives. You know, we found in a, another survey which looks directly at the adult population and why they may feel dissatisfied with democracy, the voter participation survey, we found that many people have felt that life in South Africa over the last five years has become worse. So let's consider some of the areas that they judge to have worsened over the last five years. 73% of adult South Africans feel that unemployment has worsened. 73% also feel the cost of living has worsened. 74% feel corruption has worsened. 65% feeling that crime and safety has become worse. And 60% viewing the provision of services as becoming worse over the last five years. Indeed, 45%, almost half of all adult South Africans feel that their lives personally have worsened over the last five years. So, 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 so effectively, Dr. Gordon, are you saying that one of the reasons that makes people think about whether to participate in an election or not is directly linked to their experience of having, you know, tasted the fruit, if I can put it that way, of the democratic dividend, that they have not been excluded um, from what the fruits of democracy were meant to be for all South Africans. Well, you make a very good point. The one of the things I will say in response to that is that people arrive at the voting station, they wait in a relatively short queue, the staff are very professional, they're impartial, they communicate well, they go into the voting booth, it's a safe space, and they look at the ballot paper, they can easily understand the ballot paper, they're satisfied with the ballot paper, but what they're not satisfied with, according to our data, is the options on the ballot paper. And that, unfortunately, is where a lot of the dissatisfaction um, with democracy and with the election commission seems to come from, is when they look at that ballot paper, they're not so satisfied with the options staring back at them. And that seems to be a source of some concern, but not really something that the election, election commission can do a lot about. Let me bring in Terry Itzelani, who is uh, the founder of the Institute of Election Management Services. Dr. Itzelani, good morning. Uh, good morning to you and to your listeners. Of course, the one conversation that we have after every election is the question of voter turnout. And um, Dr. Gordon provided this really insightful context into where South Africa is. But when, when there's low voter turnout, 
The IEC, of course, is the institution that is looked at and even blamed for this phenomena. Uh, of course, it is, uh, the Electoral Commission will always be associated with uh, all things that are happening in the democratic uh, environment. <coughs> largely, sorry, largely because uh, also the IEC, when it conducts its voter education, uh, it will try to uh, encourage people to participate by saying to them that they will actually, that, that, that their vote will make a difference. And now when they don't see their vote making a difference in their daily lives, they begin to associate the IEC uh, with that problem that public representatives are not able to deliver what they're supposed to deliver. There, there was an interesting point being made earlier about the IEC being seen as part of um, the, the establishment, if I can put it that way. So if there's a failing government, the IEC is not being seen as being independent from government, but rather that it, it is part of, of those failures. Is that a fair reflection? Well, it is not really a fair reflection. I think the Commission has got a responsibility to um, begin to come up with programs that will indicate what they do and what the differences between them and other parts of uh, the state. Um, I mean, to associate every failure that is there within the society with the commission, uh, I think uh, it's a little bit unfair. We'll continue the conversation with our guests. It's aging towards 9.30. And Musa has your latest news headlines, as always. I'll also be taking your contributions to this conversation. 086-000-2032. We're looking at the IEC as a Chapter 9 institution. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue our conversation. We're shining the spotlight on the IEC, that is the Independent Electoral Commission, and the work that it does. Commissioner Janet Love, I want to come back to you. What do you find as the IEC are often the areas that voters express the greatest level of dissatisfaction about uh, where where it relates to the work that you're doing? Um, So... So I think that um, the the I just want to sort of focus on the fact that you're talking about voters as a pack, as opposed to people who do not vote, and I think that you'll hear from the surveys there's a there, it's the people who do not vote who express so most discontent with the IC. Of those who vote, I think that there are two things that are relevant. The one is the fact that we have um, a uh, Dr. Gordon, let me perhaps come back to you on on this very issue of dissatisfaction. And it's an important distinction that is made there between those people who vote and those who don't vote, because more and more we're seeing South Africans choosing to stay away from the polls. No, absolutely. And of course, the 2021 local government elections operated under a very special time uh, you must remember during that period, the COVID pandemic and many COVID lockdown restrictions were still in place. And we were dealing with the rise of the Omicron 
variant and vaccination rates were not as high as they are in our current period. So these COVID um, elements should not be ignored when talking about levels of turnout. It definitely was, you know, it had some impact, although perhaps the level of impact was a bit more indirect than we would have expected. Now, if we ask the question, why didn't people vote in the 2021 local government elections? And indeed, in most um, government elections over the last decade, you know, as part of the research that the Human Science Research Council does, we look at that specific question. We ask people, you know, if there was an election tomorrow, would you vote? And if they said, no, I would not vote, we ask them, why would you not vote? And a representative sample of South Africans gave very, very simple answers to why they wouldn't vote. So the vast majority of those who would not vote, they said it was because they were disinterested and disillusioned with politics. 77% said that they were, they were disinterested in the political process. They felt in particular that their vote would not make a difference that none of the polit existing political parties interested them and that they had no interest in actually going to the voting station and casting their ballots. A much smaller share, about 12%, me mentioned some form of administrative barriers, with the main one being non-registration or lacking the necessary documents to register. And certainly this is an area where the IEC, in this very small, narrow case, can maybe look at some mechanisms to make registration easier, providing more options for registration and streamlining that process. Although that being said, this is a minority concern. The bulk of the reason people don't go down to the voting station and cast their vote is political disinterest. But let's take a little bit back and consider one important variable is that when do people decide they're going to go and cast their ballot? Now, the vast majority of voters in the last 2021 local government election, they decided that they were going to do it six months before. But a large minority, they made that decision a month, a week, a day before they were going to cast their vote. So there's a large group of people who are not sure whether they will participate and not sure who they will vote for, who kind of sit on the fence thinking about it. And unfortunately, the circumstances have been in, not conducive to encourage a lot of these fence sitters to come to the voting station in the last few years, mostly due to this level of political disinterest and disillusionment. Mm. And, and it poses a, a great risk and a great danger to our, our democracy. Uh, Commissioner Love, as, as you grapple with the question of this, this issue of why South Africans are choosing to not show up uh, to vote, is this something that you as the IEC are looking to fix? Is it something that you w should want to fix? Kathy, I think that um, as part of generally as part of society within South Africa, the answer is absolutely yes. We we certainly um, have been uh, seeing that as part of um, what we need to also contribute to more. We've been doing, I think, um, a very extensive campaign within tertiary institutions. 
our um, work within the schools has increased and we're hoping to increase it more. Um, and I think that the importance of the duty to vote is something we're calling on all parts of society to be really engaging with as you're doing in terms of the of the media so that people have the possibility to think what the alternatives would be if we didn't have a democracy and the duty to vote is really to take hold of that democracy the fact that people are, are unhappy about um, some of the um, technicalities within uh, processes like registration and so on we have now got the voter management device and so voter registration is a lot more um, flexible in terms of how it can be done where it can be done and again using technology is very much what we're hoping um, will also increase participation um, when we're looking at kind of electro you know um, at digital means communication using various digital platforms again is part of what we see as the importance of engaging with a whole range of people um, to some extent um, more widely, to some extent more flexibly, in order to ensure that people begin to grapple with how, not whether or not to be part of a democracy, but how to take hold of the democracy. And we feel that the duty to vote is really so important in that process. Of course, often we see that the IEC is criticized for not doing enough to raise civic uh, awareness and even education about the work that the institution does. And especially when it comes to the views of the institution being independent, because there are those f people who feel that um, the IEC has not been exempt from the overall capture that we have been uh, talking about in various institutions. Look, I, you know, it may be that there are people who have expressed that concern but in reality, there are two things I would say to that. There is nobody who has responded um, or no significant body of people who have responded to the notion of deciding whether or not to vote because they fear that their vote will somehow be, um, you know, sort of not counted in the proper way in which they had, had actually cast it. So in that sense, the impartiality of the institution is not something that has been um, central in people making a decision. And I think that's because the institution has got such an incredibly positive record of being impartial. There are concerns in particular voting stations that some of the, the voting officials, particularly presiding officers or deputy presiding officers, are perceived, even whether or not they do something wrong, but are perceived to have affiliations that they shouldn't have. We've been discussing this very intensively um, with the political parties in order to do two things. One, to, to, to increase the training and professionalization of the presiding officers and deputy presiding officers, but secondly, to give parties an additional opportunity to be able to review the list of appointments. Um, which we which we would make earlier on in order to ensure that where there is a suspicion of partiality and prejudice and you know wrongdoing 
we will be alerted to it so that we can take action long before an election. Ntatitilani, we're entering what is going to be new terrain for the country's democratic process. The national 2024 election will in all likelihood be different to anything that we have seen before. Um, And just looking at the the last two election cycles, uh, you know, and I'm talking here, the national and the local government election cycle, the IEC found itself really at um, the center of scrutiny and including allegations by political parties around issues of impartiality. How much more difficult do you think it's going to be for this institution going into the 2024 elections. All right, we seem to be having big issues with the lines. Of course, the obvious, uh, the reasons are well obvious. We uh, are dealing with load shedding in different parts um, of the city. Ndadizilani, uh, uh, are you back on the line now? Ndadizilani, uh, we'll leave it there with with you for for, for this morning. But uh, Dr. Gordon, maybe perhaps you, you might be better a place to then tackle that, that question that I asked about what lies ahead for the IEC in the midst of what is a, a, a changing political environment? No, absolutely. So <clears throat> one of the challenges that confronts the IEC and South African democracy as a whole is the large cohort of young voters who are entering our political space, coming of age. These, of course, are millennials and and of course the famed Gen Z, who are now making up a greater and greater subset of the potential voting cohort. And it is this younger cohort who tends to be those who decide whether they will or will not vote quite late in the political process. This group is much more likely to sit on the fence of, should I participate, should I not participate? And indeed, what we've seen over the last five years is declining registration levels amongst these groups. And we have seen, unfortunately, also declining levels of participation amongst these groups. So it is these groups which will be fundamental to what happens in 2024. Will they show up to voting stations in that year and cast their ballots? Or will, as increasingly seems likely, they will stay away? And what effect will this have on democracy? So that's very, very key. Another thing that is extremely key is to maintain the integrity of our electoral outcomes and the integrity of our electoral management body. In cases of close elections, contested elections, in a case in which there's high level of political distrust, of political polarization, of political disillusionment, people can call the integrity of an election into question. And it is during those periods in which our election management body must be strong and be able to dismiss such claims of electoral integrity, disintegrity. And unfortunately, in order to do that, we need to provide the IEC with the appropriate resources to protect our democracy. Democracy is not bought on the cheap. 
It requires, particularly in the case of civic education campaigns, in the case of maintaining the secrecy and security of the electoral voting, counting, and collection process, resources. If we, are, if we deprive the IEC of the resources it needs to ensure a free and fair election, if we deprive them of the resources they need to conduct voter education and civic education campaigns, we will be disadvantaging our democracy. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're pointing us to the issue of the budget cuts that we know uh, the IEC has been facing. I'm going to put that issue just on pause. We will come back to it. In the meantime, I just want to go to our phone lines. John in Bloom, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Kathy, and your guest today. Mm. Uh, Kathy, I just wanted to ask uh, the IEC, how do we... How do we uh, what is it? How do we know the security measures they have for the upcoming elections? In what happened in the previous elections, people voting with deceased ID numbers and all that. How we know that there's more intensive measurements or security measures that are going to prevent such from happening? Uh, what I also want to ask is, how do we know the elections are not rigged? What transparency can we get from the IEC to say these are the actual voters? How do we know there's a small margin of numbers? That has just been created out of nowhere. Is what I wanted to find out. All right, John. Thanks for those questions, Commissioner Love. Um, so first of all, the the issue of the about the IDs at this point, you know, we um, have not the the idea of people having false IDs is not something that. Um, has had to be um, has been a problem for us in recent times. I think our systems have been shown to be very robust, um, picking up people's ID numbers and associating them as being a single ID on 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 our voters' roll. And if there are any difficulties with IDs, those those IDs, because maybe they're fake or whatever, are immediately picked up by the system. And I think the 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 capability of our systems to do that is something that has been proven over a few elections, not just um, to voters, but also to contestants, political parties. Before um, an election, we have all of our systems in place and we not only audit them ourselves with an independent IT auditor um, in order to ensure that they do what they are supposed to do and what we say that they will do. So, for example, if you put a cross next to one candidate, it counts it as one and not as six in the case of this party or that party. So, in other words, it, it really um, keeps to, to what it's supposed to do. That auditing is done from our side but also by an independent auditor, but we also invite every political party to bring their own independent auditor to make sure that those security systems are in place. So I think that when it comes to the tracking of IDs, that's, that's something, as I say, repeatedly has been scrutinized and st stood the test of time. When it comes to new systems, I think that that's something that, as, as I say, we, we um, once the electoral amendment um, uh, bill is finalized and the new act is in place, we will have to adapt our systems. I'm sure that uh, your listeners know that we're going to be having um, uh, independent candidates in um, provincial and national elections in some um, manner, depending on what parliament decides. 
um, as a result of the constitutional court case. Once we know what is decided, our systems will be adapted to deal with that. And then the testing of our systems will take place, um, as I say, not just by us, and not just by our independent auditors that we appoint, but also by the independent IT auditors of contestants, which in this case will include not just political parties, but also independent candidates. In terms of general transparency, I, the way in which our results are collated is I think also something that is very open to public scrutiny. When they appear on the results boards of the results operating center, centers, it's when they appear there, they appear in our systems. It happens seamlessly. So the media, the public, and the commission receive those results at the same time. Uh, they go from the voting station where they're counted in front of candidates, uh, in front of uh, uh, the, the agents of candidates, in front of election officials, and obviously if there are observers, in front of independent observers. And those results then are scanned and the scanned copies are available to all contestants. So those scanned copies are what is captured in the system and reflects on the results board um, at the time that you see it, we see it. So I don't know if that gives some clarity. We can talk uh, you know, at length about the extent to which we do take measures that our systems are um, uh, very, very robust in terms of any kind of external penetration from somebody external who's trying to interfere. But the internal arrangements are something that we subject to a lot of scrutiny along the way. All right, let me go to Miles Boudou in El Dorado Park. Miles, I've got quite a number of listeners that are standing by, so just try and keep it short for me, but go for it. Thank you, Kathy. Look, Kathy, I just wanted to highlight the contradictions, the inconsistency, the irregularities, the illegality, and the unconstitutionality in the full blown of the IEC when it comes to the rights of prisoners to vote because they are in fact allowed to vote. They are told that, look, if you do not have a certain amount to get a temporary ID, you won't be able to register and that means that you won't be able to vote. If you have an ID at home, it's a Durban and you are doing time in Pretoria, you must get your parents to bring your ID for you so that you must vote. And that ends up, many of them not being able to vote. And we insist that we want all persons behind bars must have an ID document. It would also make it easier for the Department of Correctional Services and other systems to know that who are in prisons, how many South Africans are there, and use their votes, one, to decriminalize them and, and turn them into activists, community activists and political activists, and in a way make sure that when you politicize them, you end up turning the prisons into an industrial hub. When, they, when it is an industrial hub, the prison then end up letting those who vote become unionists and use that as a formula to rehabilitate, reintegrate them as law-abiding and useful citizens. But all of that has fallen on the ears and we keep the IEC accountable for this anomaly. Commissioner Love? 
Look, I think that Mr. Buru's done a lot of work in the sphere of making sure that prisoners can participate. It's certainly something in uh, national yeah. and provincial elections that we are very clear we, we want to accommodate. But the important thing about it is that we do not control what prisoners have in terms of access to their documents or not. We have to make sure that they have their documents. We definitely um, liaise with Home Affairs to, in the hope that those who do not have documents can be issued with those documents. We definitely liaise with the prison authorities to indicate to them when we are coming to update the registration details of prisoners. But we, as he knows, are not in charge of either correctional services or the activities of Home Affairs. We cannot have a situation where people who are, whether they're prisoners or not prisoners, come and want to vote but don't have an ID with which they do that. It, it, then we would have double voting. So clearly that's not possible. All right, thanks for that. We also have a, a listener who wants to know why the IEC hires teachers during vote counting. Look, the issue of teachers has been something, you know, that, that has been a subject of much discussion for a long time. Um, when we started uh, the processes of the Electoral Commission um, in 94-98, you know that we were working, we still do, use a lot of the uh, schools as voting stations. And so in those early years, a number of the um, officials were coming from the um the schools within which we operated. But as a consequence of the concerns by political parties, at this stage, the number of teachers that are um, uh, deployed in voting stations is less than 5%. At the same time, I think what we do want to say to um, you know, all of the of the public, we're not in a situation where we can, um, there's any law that would entitle us to actively discriminate against all teachers. Not all teachers in any event are active in their, in their, in their um, uh, labor organizations and have any, in that sense, political bias. But the second thing is that, again, we certainly make the lists of the presiding officers and deputy presiding officers available. And in cases where party liaison committees or members of contesting parties have come to us and said, so-and-so is somebody who is directly active in the political organization and give us, it doesn't matter which political organization, but in the local politics of the political organization, that person is removed and we make that commitment. I think that we are very clear that we need to give contestants a little more time in order to scrutinize those lists. That's part of what we've been discussing, as I say, in recent times um, with, with the political parties. But the issue of teachers is, is something that I think is, um, is, has, has really been attended to um, over the years in the way in which I've spoken, and we would continue doing that. If there are teachers that are playing a bad role, please let us be informed. 
I've got a, a number of WhatsApp voice note questions and, and comments as well. But unfortunately, I'm looking at the time. I don't think we're going to be able uh, to get to, to much of them. I do want to ask, though, that ahead of what is change, the, the changing electoral process in the country, what are the concerns that the IEC has um, in the lead up to 2024? Um, which is two years away and very much a process that is still under discussion uh, in Parliament as we know. Look, our biggest concern is that we don't get finality on what the change of the electoral system um, that Parliament is deciding on. We don't get absolute certainty and finality by the um, December deadline, which is already a deadline that that is um, not leaving us with a lot of time. So that's the biggest concern. I think the second concern really does revolve around participation, not just in the actual voting process, but in ensuring that we provide our voting public with the kind of options that they want and that we have within our voting stations a level of um, uh, engagement that, that respects the rights of all voters, but also is observant of any mistakes. The Electoral Commission it does meet out consequences. If there is bad practice, it's reported to us, we deal with it. So I just really hope that we have that kind of commitment from, from all who are involved in the process. We are concerned that it will be very, very closely contested. And because of that, there's a lot of tension. And that really means that political parties, contestants need to train their agents so that their agents are part of the responsible South Africans that make these elections a success. Dr. Gordon, the additional pressure of having um, the Electoral Reform Amendment Bill, perhaps concluded by December, but still lots of contestation expected in the aftermath of that. Realistically, what should we be anticipating as South Africans around then what the last 18 months possibly leading up to elections will look like? It is very challenging to offer projections for the future. I mean, one of the concerns is that Parliament as a political institution is only trusted by a small minority of the adult public. Only 25% of adult South Africans say they trust and are confident in Parliament, which will necessitate that the Election Commission does a good job in selling the new electoral management system to the general population in the Parliament is not always viewed as the most trusted institution in this respect. One of the issues that confronts us as a nation is that due to high public dissatisfaction with the status quo, our existing status quo is very, very fragile. And during contexts in which of high public dissatisfaction, electoral outcomes can be, can be very, very uncertain as certain movements or issues may capture levels of dissatisfaction and direct it one way or the other. And it is very hard, therefore, to predict what will happen. Unfortunately, 
because of this high level of disillusionment, one can definitely come up with scenarios which are very, very grim, very negative, very depressing. And I think we must all work together to ensure that such scenarios do not come to bear and that we actually maintain the high level of election integrity and electoral management success that we have been privileged to have in South Africa over the last 25 years. Dr. Gordon, let me thank you so much for your contributions to this conversation. Commissioner Love, thank you to you as well. It's just after 11 o'clock and Musa is standing by with your headlines.